Man, guys, happy Valentine's Day. Man, today's the day. Um, all right, so, um, man, we are so thankful that you're here. We are right at the end of a series called Heaven Invade, and we're going to dive into uh, a topic tonight that I think will be really helpful for us. But in the spirit of Valentine's Day, I figured, um, I, I think I need to help you out just a little bit um, because I think, I think some of you in the room are, are hoping that today would be a special day. Um, some of you maybe have uh, tried to muster up some courage uh, to maybe try to uh, ask somebody out um, or ask somebody to be your Valentine. And uh, here's what I want to do for you. I would love to, if you haven't yet, and maybe right now you're kind of like really nervous because you're like, man, I, I was going to do it before church, but like I, I got to do it after church now because like this is a really big deal and you're like really nervous. I want to equip you with something that I think would be really helpful for you in that conversation if you choose to do that. Um, so I'm just going to hand you maybe a couple lines that you might be able to write down if you have something uh, to write down with, maybe grab a, a journal or a notepad uh, and a pen. But, but here are some lines that might be helpful for you uh, in your pursuit for this. Um, so you can, say, you can say this, you can kind of walk up to the person and be like, hey, listen, this is kind of for a guy to a girl. Be like, listen, I, I put the stud in Bible study. <laughs> write it down. I'm not saying you have to use it. I'm just saying write it down is all I'm telling you. Okay, you didn't like that one. All right, so so maybe maybe she's really spiritual. Maybe she knows a lot about Old Testament history. You could just be like, all right, listen, uh, I actually know why Solomon had seven hundred wives because he never met you. I'm not saying you have to use it. I'm just saying write it down. It might be helpful for you. Uh, how about? Uh, <laughs> this one's weird. I'm not going to lie. All right, you ready? You ready? Well, I got to get into character. <laughs> I obviously had zero game in high school. Um, girl, you're so unblemished, I would sacrifice you. That kind of took a weird turn, right? You weren't expecting that. You're like, oh, I'm telling her she's perfect. And then that I'm going to kill her. So I wouldn't use that. Maybe scratch that off if you mistakenly wrote that down. Um, how about this? How about this? How about this? Oh, man. I'm going to read this word for word. All right, this is Google. Girl, <laughs> you really are a fisher of men. And, baby, you just reeled me in. Are you writing these down? You already have one? No, I'm not. I don't trust that. I don't know. All right, a couple more, a couple more. Hey, girl. <laughs> I don't like the girl part. Uh, the Bible said to think about what's pure and lovely. So I've been thinking about you all day. That one's not bad. That one's not bad. Write it down. That's all I'm saying. Okay, this one, guys. Guys, this one's my favorite. I'm telling you, this is it. Get your pens ready. Girl, you're just like water, except Jesus turned you into fine. 
Is that the one? No, I'm not reading that. I don't trust you. Last one. Last one. This was an easy one. This is a classic. All you do is you look at her and you say, I didn't know angels flew this low. That's a classic. Obviously, you're not writing that down. Ineffective. All right? Girl, I believe one of my ribs belongs to you. Wait. Isn't it the, doesn't matter. All right. So, man, listen, when, when we get, when we get around Valentine's Day stuff and like lovey-dovey stuff, we start to have all these pictures. Somebody asked me earlier today, they're like, oh, I thought you were going to dress up like Cupid. And I don't even know what that means or what that would even look like. I'm sure it'd be disturbing for all of us. But like, that, that wasn't the plan for me. Um, and like, man, there are some times when we start to look at even like, like, Things like the, the last line I said was like, girl, I, I, I didn't know angels flew this low, right? And listen, it's all fun, it's all good, but there, there are some times that we have views of things that are shaped by our culture that we're actually not used to really processing. And that's, that's kind of the whole point of this series is to work through different things that are highlighted in Scripture, but maybe... Maybe we don't spend enough time talking from like this kind of platform or this context. And so one of the things that, that might be helpful for us to talk about today are um, the topic is angels and demons. Now, listen, if this is your first time here and you're like, what did you just say? I get it. I promise you there's nothing to worry about and we're going to talk about it. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Man, there, it can be really intimidating and kind of scary to sort of think through some things like this. But, but there is a very real reality that we have to consider. That there is something going on beyond us that if we're not careful, we can ignore enough that we don't put any importance or substance in it. And it can catch us by surprise. Because check out what the Bible says here. In Ephesians chapter 6, this is Paul talking. This is chapter 6, verse 10. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, trying to help them to, to put on things. This is the armor of God to, to understand that we need to be geared up and we need to be ready. But the reason he's telling us to be ready is really important. Check this out, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Here's what Paul's just laid out for us. There is actually a battle that is happening right now in spiritual places that we don't really see. There is something we call spiritual warfare that is happening in this moment somewhere that we just don't see. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we can be so consumed with our own lives, with the world, that we just say, hey, you know what, it's not that big of a deal. If I can't see it, it doesn't matter. What Paul is telling us here is to be watchful. 
It actually is saying to equip yourself because it's not when a battle comes, it's there is a battle and it's here. So somewhere in the spiritual realm, there is this battle between the forces that God has ordained, the angels, spiritual things that are of God, and then we have Satan and we have the enemy, the demons, the, those that are trying to knock off our walks with the Lord because they want us to be pulled away from who God has called us to be. I mean, some of you may not have even thought that that was a thing. But I promise you, if you ignore that reality, you'll get caught up in it and you won't even realize it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to ask two questions. We're going to ask, what are angels? What do they look like? And then what do they do? We'll do the same thing with demons and then we'll have a conversation about it, okay? So I'm, I'm going to read to you um, just a list of some descriptors that Scripture gives us for both of these categories, uh, and then we're going to study a, a passage of Scripture right after that, and then we'll be done. Here's what the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 15. What do angels look like? There is a descriptor of angels being creatures with four faces. Now listen, I don't know what kind of Valentine's Day coloring sheet you colored in school today with an angel on it, but I, I imagine if you're picturing angels normally, they don't have four faces. That seems kind of creepy in some ways. But the Bible is, gives a descriptor that angels are creatures with four faces. Uh, there's, there's sometimes when angels are wielding swords. In Numbers chapter 22, there's also a story where, where an angel appeared to Joshua right before giving him instruction to take over Jericho. And he looked like somebody that the Bible says that he, com he said, I'm a commander in God's army. And he came, he was wearing all of this armor, had a sword as well. So, so angels aren't just these white robes and a couple wings. The Bible clearly defines them and describes them in, in some different ways. Uh, Isaiah 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 1 says the angels actually have six wings. That's kind of cool. I feel like in, in my whole life I just figured that they would have two different wings. In Matthew chapter 28, the, the Bible says that their, their appearance is like lightning. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen lightning, but it's not just something that's just like, oh, it's a little thing. Lightning's powerful. It's significant. It's something that catches your attention. And so when we think of angels, I think we've got to think of maybe something a little more broad than our narrow focus. There's also something interesting that happens in, in Hebrews chapter 13. The Bible says, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Do you know that there is a chance that angels take human form and we don't even know that? There are chances that we are rubbing shoulders with what we think are people but are in actuality angels. Now, I'm not saying... I'm not saying that this happens all the time. I don't know the frequency in which this happens. There is a spiritual realm, again, that we don't know every single thing about. But, but the Bible says that angels are more than just these things that float around, that flap their wings, that show up from heaven and talk to people. They're more significant than that. So what do angels do? If we kind of have an idea, a picture of maybe what they look like. What, what exactly is their role? Well, first of all, first and foremost, they are created beings, 
Okay, and, if, and we're not going to dive super deep into some of these things because Morgan actually did a great job talking about this in her message on Satan when she talked about demons. So I would, I would encourage you to look back at the podcast and engage with that message. But um, they are created beings, which means angels have not always been. That's really important. So because they are created beings, God has told them that they need to worship him, just like all of us. Every one of us, our purpose in life is to glorify God and to worship him. Angels are the same boat. They're not these so much better than us that, that they've got different things. They, they are actually called to worship God just like we are called to worship God. And the Bible says that in Psalm chapter 148, also in Psalms chapter 103, they are actually mandated to obey the commands of the Lord. So they are just as much in subjugation or uh, they are just as much needing to follow what God has commanded each and every one of us as we are. Acts chapter 12, God sent an angel not just to deliver a message but also to deliver Peter from prison. He was locked into prison and Peter was praying and then God just sent an angel and his chains were released. So God sends angels to help and minister in times of need as well. Now, here's, here's what's tricky about this. I think sometimes what we do is we say, man, I need, I need an angel right now. I want need a guardian angel to kind of watch over me. Listen, God's word is not so clear to say this is exactly how every angel engages with each and every one of us. So what we have to do is take God's word as a whole and say, okay, are there aspects of angels that can kind of help us understand their role in our lives? For those of you who might say, you know what, if I believe, I would believe in God if I saw an angel. That's not really how it works. There's a spiritual warfare that is happening that maybe we don't see. And so it's hard for us to just say, this is exactly what an angel does. This is what they look like. We can just gather some evidence based on what we know about God's word. But it's not just angels that are probably helpful for us to understand. It's also demons. What, what, do, what do demons look like? Now, demons are fallen angels. Again, go back to that message in week two that Morgan, that Morgan taught on. Like, demons are fallen angels. When, when Satan was cast out of heaven for trying to be more like God, he took a bunch of angels with him. Those are the demons that are working hard to move us away from God. Now, you've probably seen a movie about a demon Maybe you're like, some people are into that stuff where it's like horror movie, demonic spirits, and it's just a thing. Demons are spirits, and they are real. There's no doubt about that. Demons are spirits, and they are real. There's not a lot of description in God's word of what they look like because they are spirits, but there are descriptions in God's word of what they do when they actually enter into something, when they possess something. So... Here's, here's, what, uh, here's what happens. Matthew chapter 17, verse 15 says this. This man came up, the centurion came up to Jesus while he was walking. And, and the Bible says this. this is, um, he says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has had seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. Well, what Jesus identified was that he was possessed by a demon. So what was happening was this demon possessed this young boy, and his goal was to destroy the boy that he was possessing. 
Jesus in that moment, and you can read this on your own time in Matthew chapter 17, cast this demon out and said, be gone, this demon. And the demon was actually scared of Jesus. That's really important. But when a demon possesses somebody, their goal is destruction. We see in Luke chapter 8, this is what the Bible says, when Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. I'm not saying everybody who walks around not wearing clothes is a demon, but this is the result. This is not something that is civilized. This is not something that is controlled. There is chaos when demons are engaging with people. But here's the, here's the probably the most comforting thing for each and every one of us. There is no possible way that a demon can possess a Christian. That's really important. You have to hear me because if you're really concerned about this, if you're worried, man, is, am I going to be demon-possessed, man? What, what's going to happen? I, there is no chance that a demon can possess a Christian. Well, why? Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? This is Paul writing a letter to believers. Not just to the whole world. This is just... Two believers. So if you are a believer, then you are a part of God's temple. Your body is God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you. If anybody destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Here's what the Bible says, and there's multiple other places where this comes up. When the Holy Spirit is inside each and every one of us, there is no room for demons. There's just not. So if, if that is, brings you any level of comfort, I think for every believer in the room it should. However, if, if you in your journey in life, if you're like, man, you know what? I'm not a Christian. Don't believe in God. I'm not saying a demon's going to possess you, but you are far more susceptible to that kind of spiritual attack than those who are believers. And that's important. So here's, here's what we should do about this. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Because what we can do is we can, get, we can get caught up in all of these abstract thoughts that, that maybe the Bible is not incredibly clear on. Maybe we have even more questions about these things that in your mind you're like, hey, listen, to be honest with you, I have like 100 questions. So if you do, write those questions down and, and send them to me. Text them to me. Talk to Morgan about that. We would, we would both love to kind of help you walk through some of those things. But there is something that is far more important for us to understand than what does an angel look like and what does a demon look like. Regardless of what angels look like or what demons look like, regardless of their role in our lives, here's what Hebrews chapter 1 tells us, that Jesus is greater. So we're going we're to work through this chapter real quick, and I'm going to show you the language that the writer of Hebrews uses to describe Jesus in comparison 
to angels. Now, the book of Hebrews is written um, to uh, probably a persecuted church. We don't know who the author of Hebrews is, but it was meant to encourage the church. But the entire book of Hebrews is essentially this poster that says, Jesus is better. That's what it says. There's four different sections in which Jesus is compared to different things. And the first thing that Jesus is compared to in chapter 1 is angels. So we're going we're gonna to read through this and understand the position that Jesus has in comparison to angels. This is what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So what he's doing now, this writer is saying, back in the day, God would speak through prophets, right? This is the story of the Bible. God would speak through prophets in the Old Testament. He would use angels in the Old Testament. He's saying now, today, God speaks to us through who? Sunday school? Jesus, thank you. God used to speak through prophets. Now he is speaking to us through his son, is what the Bible says. Verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is describing Jesus. If you think Jesus is any less than God, you don't understand it. Jesus is is just like God in that same way, the power that he has to hold the world together. This is the writer of Hebrews helping to understand that that Jesus and God are equals, co-equal. It is not a hierarchy. So, he continues on. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to to who? To angels. As the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Here's what the Bible says. After he came to die on the cross for each and every one of us, for our sin, he came to die on the cross for us. The Bible says right here, he says he sat down at the right hand of the majesty, which is God. Jesus' position is far greater than angels. Verse 5 says this, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. The the, the writer of Hebrews is kind of using a little bit of sarcasm to be like, "What, What angel would he have ever said, You are my son? The answer is none of them. It continues, or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. What angel did God ever tell them, oh, you'll be my son and I'll be your father? The answer is none of them. And again, verse 6, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Do you see the comparison that God is making between Jesus and the angels? The angels worship Jesus, not the other way around. We'll get to why this is important in just a second. Verse 7, of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever the scepter of uprightness, of uprightness, excuse me, 
is a scepter of your kingdom. You've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. He says that the sun is so elevated that everything in creation, every angel, every demon, even Satan will eventually at some point look to him and worship him because of his greatness. This should be helpful for each and every one of us. Continuing on as we finish out this chapter, the verse, verse 10 says, And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will all be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. This is talking about the long-standing nature of Jesus that will continue on forever for each and every one of us. Jesus is eternal. He will never fade. Nothing will ever take him out. He will stay the same forever. And then verse 13 to finish it out. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Speaking of the angels in verse 14, he says, Are they not all ministering spirits set out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? He spends this entire chapter unpacking Jesus being so much greater than all of the angels. And then at the very end, he helps us understand the role of, this, of the angels, which is to minister to us and to serve. Angels, demons, the battle, there's a warfare. There is a lot going on, but each and every one of us need to rest assured in one simple truth. And I want you to understand, if you get nothing from what our time is today, I want you to understand something very significant. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus is greater than all of creation. Jesus is greater than angels. Jesus is greater than demons. Jesus is greater than the warfare that exists that we don't see, that sometimes we even ignore. Jesus is greater than all of that. And that should be comforting for each and every one of us because every one of us has access to Jesus. God made a way for each one of us to have a relationship with him by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for each and every one of us. The Bible says... That while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. Now listen, I don't, know, I don't know what you sacrifice for your enemies. I doubt it's a whole lot. But the reality is, is that God said, even though, even though you are enemies, even though you push me away, even though you live in disobedience, even though you know what the truth is, but the Bible says in Romans 1 that we suppress the truth. We push it aside because we would rather have what the world has to offer. Listen, I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're struggling with. You're probably having, maybe, maybe you're just having the worst day ever. Listen to me. There is a war that is happening that we don't see. And as scary as and as intimidating as we might feel that it exists, we have to understand that Jesus is greater and stronger than the war that's at hand. 
And if you are in this room and you do not have a relationship with God, if you have not experienced this salvation, this, this, this thing that actually protects us from the enemy and the demons, then I would love the chance to speak with you about that, to talk with you. At the end of tonight, I'll be, I'll be back there by those double doors, and I would just love the chance to just pray for you. I'd love the chance to maybe unpack what that could look like in your life. Maybe you don't believe in God at all. Maybe you just showed up because somebody invited you and you're just like, dude, honestly, this makes me not believe even more because of all this craziness. Listen, just, just let me have an opportunity to get to know you and to hear your story. Because, man, there was a time in my life when I did not care about any of this stuff. When I was 16 years old, I grew up in church. I was in it. But, like, all this, it didn't matter to me. I was just doing whatever I wanted to do going about life. I, I wasn't thinking about some spiritual warfare, that there were people trying to get me, or spirits trying to, to pull me away from the Lord. So I just kept on doing what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until God got a hold of my life using some very key people in my life, some conversations where I kind of had to open up just a little bit. And God used people in my life to help draw me back to him. I need you to know something. Listen, real quick, listen to me. There are people in this room that come here every single week. There are adults in this room that come here every single week that actually pray for you before they even get here. They pray for you because they know what you're walking through. We understand we've been there before, and, and it doesn't have to relate perfectly, but listen, every one of us has the same story. We've lived in rebellion against God. And yet God still loves us enough to send his son to die for us. That's our story. Everything else outside of that is just extra stuff. Our story is that we lived in rebellion against God. And God still sent his son to die for us. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would love to have an opportunity to have a conversation with you. And if you are in this room and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and you consider yourself, hey, I am a temple of God, I'm going to tell you something, we're at war. This is, this is why we sing. This is why we get into our word. Ephesians 6 told us that. Paul says, get your armor ready because there is something bigger happening that none of us even see. So here's what we're going to do in just a little bit. We're going to spend time going to war. We're going to spend time singing praises to God. And it might just feel like, oh, okay, well, this is just something we do at the end of church. We start singing songs. I, I get that. If, that. if that's where you're at, you're just like, hey, this is actually, the music gets loud enough that I can actually just talk to my friends and nobody really hears it. That'll be the temptation. But I beg you, those of you who know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Every time we come into this room, we're going to war. We're going to war against the world that is trying to pull us away from God. We're going to war against the spiritual beings that are trying to, to mess us up from what God has called us to be. And so in this next time, as we, as we sing some songs, I, I want to encourage you to put on the perspective that we are each going to war because there is something bigger happening that none of us really realize.
And until we realize that, I think we'll get swept up in that pretty quickly. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me real quick. I want you to close your eyes. This, this is going to be a little bit weird. I want every, every head bowed, every eye closed. Can I just ask you, if there is something going on in your life right now that you need prayer for, could you just raise your hand? You don't need to say what it is. It's fine. Just Would you just raise your hand if there is something going on in your life right now that you need prayer for? Okay, you put your hands down. Listen, <laughs> there's a lot of people. This world is brutal. Every one of us has a story. I would encourage every one of you that just rose your hand to find somebody tonight and just ask them to pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you right now, but I just wanna encourage you to just find somebody tonight and say, hey, would you mind praying for me? And if you're in this room and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please come talk to me. Father, I, I beg of you, God, right now in this moment, that you would help us to understand, help us to understand the truth of your word. Help us to realize the beauty of your salvation. God, I pray that you would lean into us as we draw near to you. God, help us in our weakness. Help us in our struggle. Because God, as you, as you have provided for us a way out through Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that we would lean into him. That we would make him our Lord and Savior if we haven't done that already. God, I pray that you would help us to know who you are more and more and recognize that every time we open your word, every time we sing praises to you, that we are going to war. God, be with us tonight. And I pray that if there are people in the room, those that rose their hand, that you would give them the boldness to, during these next few songs to turn around, find a leader, and just say, hey, would you just pray for me? God, ultimately, we pray that you would just have the glory. We love you. We ask this in your name.